Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson, and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Well, before we begin, you know I always like to ask this question to my esteemed co-host. Kenneth, how are you doing, man? All right, man. I I, I can't complain. I'm here. Um, I hate the occasion on tonight. We're recording here on Monday night. Um, After the Heat's Monday night game, don't want to step on our own toes. We're going to get there in a couple of minutes, but... Yeah, man, I'm glad to talk heat ball, just not the best occasion to talk heat ball. No. So, yeah, we're coming at you live uh, right after the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat squared off in a Miami Heat defeat 120-111 final score. No Jimmy Butler, no Tyler Hero tonight, and it was pretty apparent for the entire game. That's basically staff from the broadcast, 45 points lost there. The Nuggets shot... The Nuggets shot... The fucking lights out of, of the ball tonight. It was, it was exasperating to watch. Like, I, what? Oh, there was a sequence to end the third quarter where Gabe Benson made a, it, that that shit looked so sweet. It was perfect. The stroke was so nice and all, and the ball went right into the bucket. And then all of a sudden, fucking Facundo Campazzo, he just made a. A, a tough fallaway jump shot to basically end the third quarter. So instead of being down 14 and turning to the fourth, we were down 17. I coupled that with the fact that Miami seemingly had no answer for Nikola Jokic in the first half. Bam was just a ghost in the first half. Duncan hit his first shot and then he went, he went, how should I say this politely? Well, he was a fucking ghost out there after that. He didn't even defend well. He was nothing on offense. They were, I don't understand why we keep trying to spam the dribble handoff action between him and Bam when teams, they just have sniffed that out ever since the 2019 season. They, that shit has not been working as effectively as it did. So, Duncan Robinson, again, another terrible game. I don't want to lay too much into Duncan because he was not the only thing that was wrong with this game. Although this game was could be read as an aberration of sorts. Another stat from the broadcast, the Denver Nuggets were 27th in three-point makes coming into the season. They made 18 three-pointers. They shot 50% from deep tonight. That usually just doesn't happen. By the way, they shot 58% from the field overall. So, yeah, that's yeah, what I was about to say. They, pretty... they were 60 from the floor and 50 from three. I don't give a damn how many shots you hit on the other side. There's a good chance you're not going to beat that at all which is something i'm gonna get to but go ahead continue you were going so good i didn't want to cut you off but i just wanted to make sure we hit that part home no and as i was saying uh will barton again he he was making timely threes jeff green had a moment there in the first half where he where miami had no answer for him listen i really really wanted Miami to beat this team after what happened in the previous game and after the showing that they had in the previous game as well. Of course, it was always going to be tough without Jimmy or Tyler, but still, I don't even know what to think. If we can stick with the positives, Caleb Martin got his first start, looked 
looked nice out there. Had a couple play, nice plays out there. Very springy guy, as always. The guys in the broadcast, I was watching the NBA TV broadcast, the guys didn't seem to know that Caleb Martin, Caleb Martin can get up there. Well, yes, he can. Uh, Kyle Lowry played pretty well, I could say. Yeah, 17 points, 14 assists. He was handling the offense as well as he could and making his shots. But still... Just Denver was making an ungodly amount of shots. And Bones Highland, he was making them from Steph Curry range. And at that point, who, by the way, is Bones, Bones Highland, he is shooting around, I want to say, 30% from deep to start the season, to start his career. And he well, looks like we have a newly anointed heat killer on the Denver Nuggets. The very frustrating game to watch. And I think I've said enough. I don't even know what the fuck else to say because this game really... I, I hate losing. I hate when my team loses. I hate, as Kenneth one mentioned, and I agree with him, I hate when my team gets punked. And not get punked by the same team once, but twice in the same season. That shit's just unacceptable to me. So, again, weird game overall. They, the Nuggets just shot as well as a team could shoot. And yet, this game still felt really, really frustrating. And I think it was mostly... I know people are going to bag on him all night long. But it was mostly just seeing Duncan Robinson doing nothing out there. Um. So, first things first. Uh, as far as Bones Highland goes, I wouldn't say he's, you know, as a random scrub, he killer yet. Because... um. He has a track record of being able to shoot the ball um, in college. He was a high-level shooter in college at VCU. I live in Richmond, so I've seen the guy personally. Um, I just didn't want him to find it on the NBA level against us because, like you said, the guy had some shots from five steps behind a three-point line. However, he can shoot the ball. I just absolutely hate that it happened against us. Um, you mentioned Facundo Campazzo. You mentioned uh, you know, Jokic basically being able to eat at the rim. You mentioned Will Barton doing what he does against the Heat, going four of six from three-point land, only taking seven shots, um, six of those being threes. And, of course, he hit four of them, backbreakers when he hit them. Aaron Gordon went two of four from three, which is 50%, but he went six of 11 overall for 20 points. Um, Jeff Green, man, Jeff Green made some big plays, even when he wasn't hitting, you know, backbreaking threes where – you thought that you had had a good defensive possession or you thought that you had forced to pass or the rotations that you want only for him to get a wide open shot. He was snatching rebounds or getting his hand in on a play um, that just absolutely killed you. Uncle Jeff still making plays. I, I Listen, man, even when you don't have your top two scoring options in Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, you can play with more heart. You can play with more effort. You can play with more hustle. You can play with more grit. And yes, without those guys, you still very well find yourself down 8 to 12 points. Most of the game with a shot to win it once or twice, but you don't find yourself down 18 to 22 if you're playing with the type of effort you're supposed to be playing with. And that was apparent in the second half. I get tired of people making excuses for the talent I don't give a damn how much talent you have on your floor, on the floor for you or on the team playing for you on any given night. Playing defense isn't about talent. Playing defense, grabbing rebounds, boxing out, 
being a barrier between your man in the rim is about how hard you're willing to work. And the Miami Heat were unwilling to work in the first half against this against this Denver Nuggets team, and it was pretty damn apparent. I mean, when you think about a guy like Bam Adebayo, has all the talent in the world, all the ability in the world, and he showed you all of it in the second half. Um, you wonder where that was in the first half on both sides of the ball. It's not just about the scoring, but the scoring is a big part. And especially when, as I mentioned, your top two options aren't on the floor and he's your third fucking option. Excuse my French. But when you look at his defense and the way that he got two things, so to speak, rebounding, tenaciously defending, being, again, a barrier between Nikola Jokic and the rim, those things totally flipped in the second half, and you could see it. You could cut the difference in half with the butter knife. And you just have to imagine that if the Miami Heat come out with the same effort, the same intensity, the same purpose, the same will to fucking be in the building as they did in the second half in the first half, then perhaps we're looking at a different result. Hell, we're not looking at being down 20 most of the game and eventually losing by nine where six to eight of those points are gimme points and we should have actually lost the game by 15 or more. I mean, it's an effort and intensity thing. Again, it's about talent. It's about shots falling, but it's also about effort. We were down a lot of talent tonight. I'll give you that. The Denver Nuggets made hella shots tonight, as you mentioned, and as I mentioned throughout the game. They shot over 50% from three and damn near 60% from the floor. That's tough to beat. However, if you're not going to act like you want to be on the floor, it's going to be impossible to beat. And that's what we saw in the first half tonight. And that's what should disappoint you the most. Yeah, we could talk about Duncan shooting, but Duncan hasn't shot the ball well. And I still have faith that his shot is going to come back because the man for his career, the overwhelming amount of these statistics in comparison with these 20 or so games says that he's going to be 40 on eight attempts. But that's not what the hell it's about tonight. It's about everybody else on the floor acting like they didn't want to be on the floor. Give me Dwayne Dedman. Give me Max Truss. Give me Kyle Lowry. Give me Gabe Vincent. Give me P.J. Tucker or Caleb Martin if nobody else wants to play. Because that's how I felt watching that first half. I think you, I couldn't have said it better myself. Although we we both have made key points about this game. The effort. The shot making from Denver was... other. I can't... I, I got to give them props. They were making, they oh, were making everything they shit, did. Man. You don't see that. Yeah, but that's also a point that you hit on, and I kind of got it out in the tweet during the game. Everybody's a bad shooting team until they play the Heat. Apparently so. Although, you know, the Heat are by – I don't know if you know this, but they allow – they are among the top teams in allowing three-point attempts per game. So mostly right. by design, we allow, we allow teams to and shoot. And we allow a lot However, of open looks as well. A lot of open looks, not just regular looks. Because, you know, in this league, they'll shoot the crazy ones. But we allow a lot of good looks. But still, uh, God, this was just this was just an outlier game for Denver. They are among the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA statistically. So on paper, it makes sense that the Heat just allowed them to shoot three-pointers. But not tonight. Not Absolutely. Tonight. And, then, and if you look at their scoring statistics, they're in the bottom third of the league in the scoring. Now, mind you, six of those, well, the last four games, I want to say, have come without Jokic. But still, they're like right at um, 103, right up under 103 points per game. And the night they scored 120. 
But again, man, when you shoot, um, you know, 58% from the field, 43 of 74, and over 50 from three, 18 of 35, you're going to score 120 points. Yeah. Also, they got to the line six more times than the Heat did. Although, and yeah, they... Hell, when the Heat are what playing, can, what, when when the Heat are playing lackadaisical and like they don't want to be there, how you gonna get free throws? And then, and then, you know what? Even on top of that, on top of that, let's talk about the free throws. You went ten of fifteen. I can't have you going sixty six point seven percent from the free throw line when a team is making everything against you and think that you're gonna win. Ten of fifteen isn't good enough. I need at least twelve or thirteen of those made. And you're gonna say that's only two or three more points, but it's those little things that get you beat in a game like this. And it's doing those little things when you're on the other side of a absolutely phenomenal shooting night that might give you a chance to win the ball game. Am I lying? No. By the way, can we talk a bit about Bam's defense in this game? Absolutely. Go ahead. I counted two possessions where Aaron Gordon just straight up beat him off the dribble. That where I'm not used to seeing that happen. That's Bam Adebayo, probably one of the best, if not the best one-on-one defender in the NBA. And he just got flat out beat. I don't know if the, if it's the knee. I don't know if it's if it was an effort thing or if he was just tired. Um, and that's happened to Bam. Listen, man, that's happened to Bam quite mistakes. a bit. A Jokic three pointer. Yeah, all of that stuff. No, that all of that stuff has been happening quite a bit to Bam, man, and we hit on it. And and again, as we're saying, we're not giving Bam a pass. But here's the thing: if you're on the floor, we expect you to be at a certain level. And if you're not going to be at that certain level, then you don't need to be on the floor. And it sounds harsh, but it goes back to the old cliche. If you're hurt, don't play. And if you play, you're not hurt. So like I said, man, those things that we've come to expect of Bam, those things that the team needs from Bam, the team doesn't operate the same when Bam isn't Bam. So if he can't be that, then he has to not be on the floor until he can be that. And I know we talked about that stretch that's coming up where we have what seems like easier games. But it, it games like these, man, where, again, how many times is it going to happen when you don't have Jimmy and Tyler? But games like these are the games where you really ask yourself, can we afford to not have him at 100% while he's on the floor? Or can we afford to have him on the floor at all if he's not close to 100%? Because he's just not him. No, at least at least the mid-range jump shot started to fall with consistency in the second half, and you know the offense picked it up a bit. They actually outscored Denver in the second half, but the first half was just so terrible that it was an uphill climb, and you needed to absolutely demolish Denver in order to make it an even game. And every time that Miami had momentum with a couple of made shots, good defensive stops. And they cut down a game within striking distance. Denver would just come back and just absolutely they will they would just make one of those threes that just break your back, and then you're looking and then you're staring at the mountain again, and you're starting to climb again. And And it came from everywhere, man. And then it's like it's like if you were climbing a, a mountain, and then somebody came and pulled you back. 
and then you start climbing again. And once you're starting to reach a certain point, then you got you pulled back again, again until at right. the end of the day. Until the, the end of the day, you're just style. tired. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I think that's the proper proper metaphor to describe this game. Any w- other takeaway before we go to Chicago? Yeah, man. Um, you just got to get past it again. You take this game with a grain of salt, as I told you in the you know pre 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 pod discussion, because you don't have your top two options. So there is no world where you take this game and use it as a standard game for anybody. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you don't expect better from the guys that were on the floor, and that's all this means. Um, every game means something if you're a fan that you know follows the game as close as we do and as close as a lot of people out there do. However, in the grand scheme of it all, you can't look at this game with much meaning because this isn't reflective and indicative of who they are. And it really, I'll tell you this last thing. My last thing on the game would be. It really shows you how much of a leader Jimmy Butler is because apparently he holds them accountable on the floor. That whole getting up early in the morning thing, yeah, it seems cute when you want to talk about it and make a joke. But that accountability, Jimmy Butler is obviously the guy that makes sure everybody's there to work every night because when he's not there, you just it's not even just about what he does from a scoring perspective or a stealing the ball perspective or a defending perspective. The energy that the team plays with is different when he's there and when he isn't. All great points, and it also helps that you, when you can have a top 10 player in the NBA on the floor, that really helps out, it seemed like. So, let's go back to Chicago. Saturday night win, 107-104. The reason that Jimmy is in the game. It was going to be. Yeah, he took a hard fall, and... He he was out for a stretch of the fourth quarter, and they had to put him in. And he was doing that old man walk, looking, looking when 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 your dad stands up from when when my dad stands up from uh from from the couch. That's how a he was looking sit at. Down. Like I was just about to say, any long sit yeah. down. So yeah, um, from Chicago. It was a fantastic game, as we were expect. As we everybody got was kind of expecting this to be a fantastic game, and it was. However, I think the highlight of the game did not come from the players. It was actually it came from Coach Eric Spolstrand, that brilliant play design to basically seal the win for the Miami Heat. Also. The, the Heat won by three. They actually should have won by six because Alex Caruso made a a crazy three to beat the buzzer. It was a basically a meaningless three, but he made it. So final score, 107-104. Kenneth, what do you think about that final inbounds play? Um, I'm, I covered it today at All You Can Heat, actually. Check me out every week, allyoucanheat.com for your written Miami Heat content, of course. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well, or you can heat one on Twitter. But basically, man, it, it reflected the notion that coaching still matters. And you heard it so much during the Big Three era here in Miami. And you also heard it a lot with the Splash Brothers Warriors and the Kevin Durant version of the Warriors that, you know, anybody could coach those teams and anybody could do with Steve Kerr, what Steve Kerr and Eric Spolster did. 
And while, you know, there are maybe a few guys who could also get the job done, just anybody couldn't do it. And coaching indeed still matters in professional sports. As I mentioned about the Denver game and not to go back there, yeah, talent matters. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a guy that's able to put that talent in the best position, then you're never going to maximize it. And Coach Sprostra always maximized. I think that's one of his best attributes as a coach. Um, And while I'm glad we have him in Miami, it's because he's always going to overperform with a minimal roster. But when you give him the pieces that are supposed to win, he's never going to do anything less than that. He's never going to underperform by his own measure, but he's always going to overperform if that makes sense. And I can give you the perfect example. We had the big three in Miami, and we say we should have won three titles, but going two or four is damn good. Well, even if you look at the third one, there's nothing more schematically he could have done to change that. You needed LeBron to be LeBron in order to get that, but you have to look at what Spo did to get him there, and he did all he could. So when you look at that play at the end of the Chicago game, you just say to yourself, How many coaches draw that play up? But not only how many coaches draw that play up, how many coaches are saving it for that moment? How many coaches are choosing that moment? How many coaches are having the guys do it that he had do it? The guy that's going off that night and Gabe Vincent, have him come over and be the bait because you know he's getting the rock. Have your guy that's probably your best playmaker as your inbounds guy so the whole time they're thinking that somebody else is totally getting the ball. And the guy that's typically setting everybody else up to eat is the guy who gets a wide open layup at the rim. I mean, it's brilliant. It's what was necessary. As you mentioned, the game ended up being closer than it should have been down the stretch. Um, And, you know, just reflect that coaching matters, man. Coaching still matters in the NBA. Also, it was a good win. Yet, it was another poor clutch performance by the Miami Heat holding down a lead to end the game. I don't know what's going on. I didn't expect this from a veteran team and from such a well-coached team, but apparently we might be the worst clutch team in the NBA. I'm, I'm not looking at any stats right now. This is just me saying it, but goddamn, is it is it really that difficult to hold a, not a huge lead, but a comfortable lead in the fourth quarter and just not give your fans a heart attack every time that happens? Because man, it kind of it's kind of exhausting. Jimmy's unselfish to a fault, man. And I'm going to tell you what happened. Jimmy, and you actually, I'm a, you spoke toward it, towards it with his hip injury and how he came back in and closed this, closed the game for us. It's like, you know, he saved all he had left in that hip to make those two plays at the end, one where he made a play for somebody else and the other where he actually got the floater to keep us up in, you know, with space or with that gap in the lead or whatever. However, when you look at Jimmy, it's like, let's say, you know, You have, I'm sorry, you have most of the fourth period, right? Let's look at it from a perspective of one period. So you have most of the fourth period, 12 minutes. For eight of those minutes, Jimmy Butler will be Jimmy Butler. Well, let's say he takes a break in two of those minutes, so you got 10. So for seven of those minutes, he'll be Jimmy Butler, attacking, getting to the free throw line, whatever, whatever. Once Jimmy feels like he gets to a point of comfort, he then relies on his team too much. He has to learn how to mix that stuff in while it's happening because at the end of the day, nobody's going to be as good at it as he is. So he can't do his work early 
and then pass the buck off to everybody else. He has to try to get everybody else intermittently involved so that when it's closing time, he's still in a rhythm to actually be able to close. Because what happens is he'll do the work and make sure that we have a lead or are in a comfortable position. And then he'll kind of chill out a little bit and start to rely on his teammates using himself as a decoy. But by that time, it's often too late, and he's often out of that rhythm that he was in to help us get there in the first place. Yeah, that makes sense. And we didn't see Bam for long stretches there in the fourth quarter as well. Really weird game, really, because injuries are starting to, like, kind of become a concern although we we always knew that Jimmy would miss some games although yeah he it it's it sucks when Jimmy Butler doesn't play and unfortunately we have to expect we can't rely that he's going to be available every single night we will when you got to, a but... guy when you got a guy that plays as hard as Jimmy Butler plays man he's going to miss time and it's very unfortunate and I think I was having this conversation with somebody too they asked like why do our guys get hurt so much? And I'm like, listen, man, and it's not by nature of us chasing injury-prone players. It's the type of guys that we chase to play for the Miami Heat. We like guys who are just going to do everything and whatever it takes. And sometimes doing whatever it takes recklessly or unbeknownst to yourself, you put your body in harm's way. Like, even now, notice, look at how much Cal Laurie is on the floor, bro. Yeah, and taking charges at 35 years old, diving for loose balls. That's just the way that he played. However, there are down, as as with everything, there's upside to it, and there are also downsides to it. Because playing that hard for 82 games, it's really, it's really rough, really taxing. So, and with such a veteran team, because with the big three, there were veterans, but there were still... You know, they were still in their late 20s or mid-20s, so in LeBron's case. So, you know, those legs were still spry, and they could just run, outrun you and out-hustle you. With this team, sure, uh, Jimmy Butler is, is not an old man, but he's 32 years old. And those early Chicago days, they really, really put some mileage on those legs on him. And... Fortunately, and, and for Kyle Lowry, the way he plays, P.J. Tucker having played center for for the Houston Rockets for a long stretch of time, even though he's a smaller a smaller guy in terms of height, but in terms of heart and in terms of strength, he's not little. And yeah, it, it's really hard to play that hard for 82 games. So final takeaway from the Chicago game before we move on to preview the week. Um, it was a great win. We needed to get that one, and especially headed in towards a game like Denver. Um, you never know that Jimmy Butler is going to hurt his tailbone on the Caruso block attempt. Um, but, you know, that's the things that happen. And you come into Denver with no Tyler, apparently a non-COVID-related illness, uh, no Jimmy as well. And these are the things that happen, especially when the Nuggets shot like they did. So you, you're glad that you got – the Bulls win a big win in conference before coming into a loss like the one that they took against Denver. Also, man, um, I wanted nothing more than for Jimmy to just pound cake that Caruso shot because the way he dunked on PJ early in that game was so disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, 
So let's move on to pre the preview. Next game for the Heat, still at home. This is a two-game homestand for the Miami Heat before going to Indiana and Milwaukee and during the weekend. But on Wednesday, final game of the two-game homestand, they face the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team with its own injury problems to its star player. Colin Sexton is out. I don't think Evan Mobley ha has Evan Mobley been back. Yep, he returned. Uh, he returned on Sunday night. Actually, I want to say Sunday or Saturday, but he played in their last game, and they are currently up on the Dallas Mavericks by about fifteen points with two and a half minutes to go in the fourth. So we're talking about a five hundred Cleveland Cavaliers team, ten and ten, that are probably playing some of their best ball in three or four years. To be honest, Evan Mobley right oh, yeah. now has twelve point seven rebounds. And two dimes, five of ten from the field, all of ten from three in thirty-five minutes. So yeah, the before he went down with injury, probably the rookie of the year by that would pick by almost anybody. Right, and he's still uh, going although to win it. although Scotty Barnes has been really nice as well. But yeah, the Cleveland Cavaliers. These are not your grandpa's Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think this is the as far as I can remember. In my NBA watching tenure, this is, I think, the first Cleveland team that could actually be decent without LeBron James. They have been playing solid ball for to start to see for the first twenty games. I still expect the Heat to win. It's at home, calling off a loss. They have a game, a day of rest in between. Jimmy Butler might be back, although. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, but Tyler Hero will definitely be back. Oh, if he if he's not back, then I might be concerned because he's been out for two straight games with body soreness from right. a non-COVID related illness. So right, and, and the reason nothing and, more there exactly, and the reason I made sure to mention that is because not that we've heard non-COVID related, we just haven't heard COVID, and I feel as though if it were COVID related, we would have heard that specific part. So I made sure to throw that non-COVID-related illness in there because they're reporting illness, but they're not reporting COVID-related. And it was still questionable as to whether he would play against Denver on Monday. And if it was COVID-related, you imagine that he would have not only been out Saturday for the Chicago game, but definitely Monday and beyond uh, for the Denver game. So you, so again, as I mean, you mentioned... If it, if it was a COVID-related illness, they wouldn't have allowed him to warm up because he did warm up on on Saturday. Okay, he did warm up. I didn't okay, I didn't get those details. Yeah, he was active, but he didn't play. Okay, okay. They, you know they what? Didn't declare exactly. him out. It was it was actually right before tip when everything became official. You I, I remember now. You make a good point. So yeah, you 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 do worry though because it's flu season at the end of the day. So you just hope that even if it isn't COVID, it's nothing that can keep him out for the Cleveland game and the Indiana game, especially if we're going to be without Jimmy Butler. And to be totally honest with you, we could get Tyler back for Cleveland and Jimmy needs another break. Um, I wouldn't even be mad at letting Jimmy get another blow before we go take on Indiana. Yeah. Indiana avenged that, avenged that first loss of the season. Absolutely. Another game like Denver where we just came out with a shit show of an effort and thought we could turn it on when we wanted to, but I digress. Yeah. Also, Indiana has been pretty poor for the season nine and 14 they have not been good saturday and we'll give you a more in-depth preview of the bucks game next saturday however 
let's give our initial prediction for the week. We already lost the game, so that's one loss in the column. I am gonna go. I want to go first. I am gonna say we go two and two. Let's say you, my friend. So you think that we beat Cleveland, beat Indiana, lose to Milwaukee? Probably. Milwaukee's okay, the second night. Milwaukee's the second night of a back-to-back and away game. I say we go three and one. I don't believe in Milwaukee as much as everybody else does. I think Jimmy's back and fresh. I think Tyler's back. Um, and I also think just like people get up to play us, which is probably a reason why we get people's better shooting nights. We're going to get up to play the Bucks, So I think that they're going to get our best shot, just like Chicago got our best shot. So I'm going to say 3-1, and one, especially after we lost like we, like we lost against Denver. Um, because the rest of the guys, they should be pissed off at themselves. And if they're not pissed off at themselves, then I need Spo to start chucking some chalkboards. I mean, I, I mean, could be a, you, ever the optimist on the Miami. It's just that. Historically, it's really hard to win back-to-back away games in, in, you know, on consecutive nights. You know what I'm saying? You're the one that just – you're also the one that just told me you can't remember the last time Cleveland has had a winning season and Indiana has been poor. So why are you giving the same excuses? They're playing two bad teams. That is true. I'm not – Listen, I'm not giving any excuses, and our predictions are just that. I'm just saying. this This is what we're here for. We're here to debate the facts. I'm just saying that I wouldn't be surprised if they lose to Indiana or Milwaukee. Me neither, but you asked me what I think was going to happen, and I think getting Jimmy Butler back by um, the Indiana game, because I do think, again, I wouldn't be mad if he set out Cleveland and we should beat them. We should beat them if we don't have Tyler. It might be a close game if we don't have Tyler, but even if we don't have Tyler, we should beat Cleveland. If we don't have Tyler, we still should beat them, but that game could very well be close oh definitely i expect it to be close if we don't have tyler because as you mentioned without jimmy butler and tyler you're missing 45 49 points out of the lineup so without tyler who's averaging about 22 points per game you're missing 22 points out of the lineup 22 4 and 5 i want to say actually or 22 3 and 5 either way you're missing quite a bit of damn production so without tyler or Jimmy in the lineup, it'll certainly be a close game. But if you have Tyler in the lineup, you should win that game by 10 points or more. And if you have Tyler and Jimmy, it should be over by the third quarter. Yeah, if both Tyler and Jimmy play. Although, there's another thing that happened in the Denver game, and Bam hurt his right hand. He had to get it taped up. So, we have to wait and see how he wake, how he feels tomorrow after practice and whatever we'll probably get an update after practice because yeah he he was holding that hand and it looked like it was pretty it was pretty painful and if it swells up or anything he might also miss wednesday's game and you know i'm smiling from ear to ear saying what i'm about to say but we're gonna have to play kz well he got some action tonight it was like a minute or so and it was garbage time so it doesn't count it doesn't. It doesn't. But we're going to have to plan. Oh, Casey at the five? Mm. Um, I don't give a damn where we play him at the four or the five, but you, but he can defend. I, I mean, and, and even the, in the garbage time, it? you saw, even in the garbage time, you saw that tonight. He can defend. So if we need to get some minutes out of him to spare Bam, we're, we're going to have to use that body. Did he, didn't he get some, 
Minnesota Five in the OKC game. I do think yes. I remember. Him. Yes, he he was the um, he was the five that came in because we were without Deadman or Bam. Was it? It was one we were, of them. We we were without Bam in that in that game. Okay. No yep. Bam. No Bam or Jimmy that night. And he came in to play, and I think, and it was the game after that. Well, I think we went away from it too fast, um, and we chose to play. Uh, I think we ended up playing somebody over him, but I think that as one of your bigs, he's a capable and and good defender. I mean, you, you're talking about a team that has decided they want to switch every damn thing again. Why not get one of your biggest, most mobile guys in there? that you're asking to do nothing but defend because he's freaking scared to shoot the ball. I'll admit, he's scared to shoot the ball. But you need his defense, and especially what Bam banged up. Yeah, all we need him to do is not pass up wide open three-pointers with two seconds left I mean, on the shot come clock. on now. Come on now. Come on now. You better get on everybody else for that. For the, see, I hate you guys for doing this. <laughs> you know what I hate? I hate all night long hearing people scream, well, when is Yurt going to get in? When the guy decides that he's going to become defensively aware and hit the damn weight room, how are we not looking to give other guys a chance, but you're screaming for the sloth to come in? Jokic would have abused him. Abused. Yurt is not an NBA player right now. Not an NBA rotation player on a good team. I'm sorry. And yeah, I know people, oh, when's Yurt going to get minutes? Listen, he's not good enough right now. And as you said, if they put him against Jokic, Jokic would... Jesus, that would that would have been a massacre. He would score four points of possession. Yeah. So yeah, guys, you're it's not gonna see the floor unless it's garbage time. So with that being said, you got anything else to say? I don't, man. Let's wrap this pony show up. All right. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Three or Five Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also leave a five star review. And a five-star rating and a short review. God damn, I keep messing those up. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. And where can they follow you on social media, JJ? They can follow me at on Twitter at JJRiveraNBA. That's at JJRIV, as in Victor, E-R-A-N-B-A. And on Instagram, you can find me at JRivera98. That's J-A-I-R-O-R-I-V, as in Victor, once again, E-R-A-98. Where can you find you, my friend? Um, on Twitter, they can follow me at K underscore say underscore K. That's K underscore S-A-I-D underscore Q-U-E. Again, K underscore say underscore K. K said K on Twitter. And on Instagram, you can find me at I am K Sirius. That's I-A-M-K-C-I-R-R-U-S. Again, I am K Sirius, all one word. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for rocking with us. And thank you so much for your heat patience because we all have had to show it. And especially on nights like these. Yeah. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next. We'll see you during the week. Bye bye.